Welcome in. It's game week, not just any week on the Eyes on Texas multicast. It is Texas OU week. Both teams are ranked in the top 12. Both teams are undefeated. Safe to say this is a must-listen, must-watch episode. And we are coming to you live from the capital city of the great state of Texas, Austin, Texas, overlooking downtown ATX and the University of Texas. Welcome to the weekly broadcast, now bi-weekly broadcast that understands that the pride and tradition of the Texas football program will never be entrusted to the timid of the week. It's the Eyes on Texas Multicast. We're a product of the Republic of Texas Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network. We're powered by our presenting partners at Grande Equipment and our four other founding partners. We appreciate them very much. Also, my new uh, 40 Acres apparel that came in, Mike Craven, we'll talk about it. It's going to be about 70 degrees at kickoff for Texas and OU. And I got my little long sleeve pullover from the folks at the 40 Acres apparel line, which is right there on the... Uh, on the drag at the University Co-op exclusively. Get your gear because this is a big game. I'm Aaron Hogan, morning show host at the Horn here in Austin, doing morning and uh, sports radio here in Austin for a quarter century. He is the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. He is Mike Craven. And Mike, how are you? You did double duty this week, went to a Sam Houston State game on Thursday and then Texas-Kansas on Saturday and saw a pretty good football team uh, in, in the Longhorns on Saturday, beat Kansas 40-14. to Pretty good football team. Uh, the weather wasn't good yet. I'm uh, excited for the weekend. Uh, highs in the 70s, as you mentioned. Low 70s. Low 70s. What a difference a year makes. Both of those teams came in last year unranked. Yep. Uh, both of them this year come in undefeated in top 12, as you mentioned. So uh, both going in the right direction. We're going to see a f- good football game on Saturday. This is the multicast that keeps you on top of all things Texas football. We record on Monday, drops on Tuesday of each week, and then we record a new episode to preview the game, Deep Dive, on Thursday that comes out on Friday right ahead of the game. So this week, make sure you download it and are listening on your drive up to Dallas, the Dash to Dallas, or wherever you're coming from, descending upon the Metroplex. Uh, We'll drop them, of course. Uh, you can find it on the Dave Campbell's Texas Football YouTube channel, also on the hornfm.com in Austin's YouTube channel. It's also available through, for download through iTunes and Spotify. Also follow us on our social media platforms. Twitter is Eyes on Texas FB. Instagram is at Eyes on Texas Pod. And now on Facebook at Eyes on Texas Podcast as well. Before we start and get things going, talk about the Kansas game. Look forward to what's coming about six days from now. Let's thank our presenting partner at Grande Equipment, our friend and partner, Wes Murray, his team. They understand your reputation is all you have when it comes to a project of any kind, large or small. All that matters is getting it done, getting it done on time. That's why Grande partners with you on every project you have. You know, Just earning your business is the beginning of the relationship at Grande. They're going to get you to the finish line, get that project on budget and done. They've operated that way for 31 years. They're not in the equipment business. They're in the relationship business business need the right piece of equipment for that project large or small from anything from major construction of a building to freeways down to uh to something at the deer lease or land and you need a heavy piece of equipment they're going to get it to you be there ready and job site ready without hassles or uncertainty and uh, they are the best i promise you they're a small independent company based right here in central texas but they play in the big leagues in a big way it's grande equipment your international independent dealer find them at grandeequipment.com they present the Eyes on Texas multicast. All right, let's get it going. We break it into the uh, the EOT into four quarters each episode, just like a football game coming up in quarter two. We'll discuss the question, should Texas be ranked number one? Steve Sarkeesian addressed that question today at his game week news conference. Do they have the best resume through five weeks? And we'll also pose the question, does it matter? We'll also take a deeper dive, deeper dive on this Texas program. The fact that we're talking about Texas, are they the number one team? 
two years after five and seven, weren't ranked last year. How has it gotten here? Will Coach Sark, we'll hear Coach Sark talk about his philosophy, kind of his culture, how they built this thing. Not just talent. There's behind-the-scenes stuff happening uh, for Texas. Also in our third quarter, we'll really start looking at the game of the year in the Big 12 Conference. It's Texas OU for the 119th time, the final as members of this conference. We'll get Sark's thoughts on this improved Oklahoma team. And, of course, in our fourth quarter, it's our final four. The big debates and questions coming out of another weekend of college football. Let's kick it off with our first quarter, delivered by the Good Times and Incredible Scratch Food at Hay City Store and Ice House, the absolute destination location in Driftwood, Texas. All right, Michael, uh, Texas 40, Kansas 14. Uh, Texas caught another break. Preseason player of the year, Big 12 player of the year, Jalen Daniels, didn't play. Back seized up on Monday. What a... What a weird situation. All of a sudden, we start getting text messages. We're about to, just, you know, we're doing our pregame show and notes from the stadium. Jalen Daniels isn't throwing with the first team. It's Jason Bean. Jalen Daniels isn't even on the field. Uh, what a weird deal. That's three straight backup quarterbacks the Horns have faced, which is sometimes you need good fortune in a, in a run. And the Longhorns have already found some. They're, they're outplaying their opponents badly. But three straight backup quarterbacks. Jalen Milrow didn't seem ready for big time against Alabama. That's what makes this, this Dylan Gabriel matchup so intriguing, but unless he gets hurt between now and the game. But uh, what did you think in the press box when you heard Jalen Daniels wasn't going to play? I should have stayed home. You know, uh, I don't get many Saturdays where I don't have to be at a game, and I, I didn't have to be at a game Saturday, but it felt like such a big game, kind of going into OU, wanted to see Jalen Daniels in person. Kind of heard that he was he was a little banged up, figured he'd play. Uh, and then when he wasn't dressed out, he wasn't throwing, it was like, oh, this one's over, right? Because – Kansas was going to need to score points to beat Texas. And, and once, once Jalen Daniels was out, uh, I, I just never thought that they could get over 21. Some of that's because I cover the state of Texas, and Jason Bean used to be at, at North Texas, and so uh, have a little bit of a book on him. Uh, but you knew they were going to have to do it all through the run game and not have a ton through the passing game. And it just feels like the only type of team that can beat Texas this year is one that can do both. Yeah, well, then we'll talk about in our third quarter, OU. Are they that kind of team this year? So Texas only led 13-7 to at the half. Uh, really dominated the game, though. I mean, they settled for field goals, but then missed a couple of those. And then Quinn Ewers, uh, end, of, end of the first half, threw his first interception of 2023, kind of forced the ball in his own coverage. He was trying to get a little closer for a field goal. That's the first really big mistake he's made with his arm this year. Uh, so they go into half 13-7. to You know, fans are a little bit nervous. But if you're watching the game, it was dominant. They had 260-some yards on the ground, uh, or total yards. They were doing whatever they wanted. And Kansas hit one play. It was kind of a fluky play, option, triple option left off the left side. And Jason Bean got hit pretty hard by Jalen Catalan, fumbled the ball, scooped up by the running back, Henshaw, and it's a touchdown. Uh, that's really all Kansas could do in the first half. Uh, but, you know, second into, into the second half, they gave up the big post route on a deep shot, got Keaton Crawford kind of out of position, and another one of these explosive plays. And you know, middle of the third quarter, it's a close game. But again, like we've seen Texas all year, they flex it. Uh, they they run it, throw it. Quinn Ewers with 325 yards, a touchdown, and his legs for a touchdown. Jonathan Brooks continued his breakout, 218 yards on just 21 carries. He's the Big 12's leading rusher headed into this game with Oklahoma and the leading rusher per carry in the Big 12. A.D. Mitchell, 10 catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. Longhorns win it 40-14. to Got a big defensive stop there on a fourth down that really turned the game. Just It, was one of, it wasn't if Texas was going to win this game, it was when, because, as, as we said, only a couple of plays, Jason being limited in the passing game. Uh, Jalen Daniels plays probably a better game. I still think Texas wins based on – the lack of defense for Kansas, but it would have been more fun. 
Yeah, that that slow start would have cost them more. Maybe they were down seven instead yeah. of up by, by six. But it never felt like they were going to lose this game. Texas is a second half team now. I don't know if you've heard, uh, but now they're a second half team. They've outscored opponents a hundred to twenty eight so far in the second half. Uh, 56 to 15 in the fourth quarter. They haven't allowed a point in the fourth quarter since Alabama. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they've really turned a corner on that one. And they're they're just leaning on folks, right? Like you saw in the first half, they were running the football. They were having success. It was still hot. I mean, it was really hot out there. And you kind of, you could, t- if Sark made the decision to come out and ride Jonathan Brooks, Texas was going to run away with this game. And Kansas just didn't have it uh, to stay with them for four quarters. And that's what Texas should be doing the way that they recruit is wearing out these lesser teams and taking over in the second half. Yeah, well said. Uh, and let's hear Coach Sark, his availability today, a couple days after, watch the film and his overview of what we just talked about, a 40-14 to Texas win their 5-0. and our versatility showed itself again uh, Saturday against Kansas. Um, you know, clearly being our ability to possess the football, uh, creating explosive plays on offense uh, was a key factor in the game. It was our, really our best game on third and fourth down that we've had all year, um, where we were nine of fifteen on third down plus two for two on fourth down. You, you know, do the math on that. That's eleven of our fifteen drives that we were able to extend uh, on third down and fourth down, and uh, you know, not not punting. Um, you know, we obviously we missed a couple field goals there and had the pick at the end of the first half. But just our ability to extend drives, I thought, was very impressive, and the balance that we had w- was really encouraging. You know, on the flip side, defensively, really, it's like three plays uh, that that got out on us. You know, they they had the long touchdown run, uh, which was a great play by Catalan, knocking the ball off. The ball bounces to him. Uh, you know, poor execution on the on the touchdown pass that they hit. Um, and then they got us on kind of a, a wide leak play that, that, that hurt us. But outside of that, I thought defensively we played really well. Uh, on the flip side, our defense holding them 0 for 8 on third down and 0 for 2 on fourth down. So things there that, that were encouraging. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, naturally there's always things for us to, to, to work on and get better at. Um, you know, we want to score touchdowns just like everybody else wants us to when we're in the red area. So, uh, you know, drilling down on that execution is important. Um, you know, I think, again, minimizing the explosive plays on defense uh, is going to be critical. Uh, and then, our, you know, our operation on field goals got to get better. Snap, hold, kick, we've got to clean that up. You know, Burt's too good of a kicker to, uh, to have missed a few here in the last couple weeks. So we've got to get that cleaned up. All right, versatility continues to be a key. Offense, defense, total package. Got to figure out Bert Auburn and the kicking. I mean, that's one thing to to, to look at. Uh, Sark talked about it's not just Bert Auburn. It's it's the snap hold, the whole process. Uh, high snap maybe led to one of the missed kicks. And, uh, you know, you've been to enough Texas OU games, Mike. I mean, that those three points can be critical. Got to make your kicks. Bert Auburn's been really good. Sark was very complimentary of Bert today, saying he's too good a kicker to miss those. We'll get this right. Um, so no no – no no stress the week before with Baylor in a blowout win it was about catching punts and kickoffs uh this time it's about making field goals you'll need those points this week potentially feels like they're ironing ironing the laundry a little bit more than like having to clean it like they had the last few years and so that's that's a good thing that you're five weeks in and you're nitpicking things got to get a little better better with field goals got to be cleaner on on the special teams not any huge glaring mistakes like it's not like oh, man, our linebackers are, are really struggling or we don't have a running back. They've started to fill those gaps. They, they've kind of – we know who the pass rushers are. 
We feel like we know who the running back is now. Some of the questions we had coming into the season are, are getting answered, and it's now down to Texas to start ironing out those couple of little things that could pop up in a close game down the stretch. But so far, they've been in some close games. I mean, Wyoming was tied into the fourth quarter. Alabama had a lead in the second half. Kansas was right there. And they've been able to win by double digits every single time and a lot of times cover. Yeah, just flex, just spurt ability, yeah. uh, explosivity, if that's a word you can tell me. Uh, but, yeah, and they found a running back. Pretty safe to say Jonathan Brooks continues to exert himself as RB1. Pretty amazing when you look at his national stats and in the Big 12, you know, his, his you know, avoiding, like, forcing missed tackle rate, his running through arm tackle rate. These things are all at uh, Roshan Bijan level. Sometimes I watch him and think he's just kind of absorbed those two players. He's not either of them, but he kind of takes a little bit of both. He can shake in the hole and move and get a, get a safety going one way and come back the other with a cutback, and all of a sudden what what is going to be a solid tackle turns into an arm tackle that he runs through. Uh, so he's got a little power. He's got more speed than you think. He's got more loose. Uh, he's more elusive than you think. Jonathan Brooks is having a breakout campaign. Yeah, I mean, I I still vividly remember being on the sideline of the state semifinal in 2020, uh, Hallettsville versus Lano, and watching what is still maybe the best individual performance outside of uh, Jordan Whittington's state championship game performance I've ever seen. He scored, he ran for 304 yards and rushed for six touchdowns. Then he had two interceptions. And he took one back to the house. Right. Um, he scored a football six, player. Scored sixty-two rushing touchdowns his senior year. <laughs> sixty-two, like that's that's a real number. Sixty-two. The only one with more is Jonathan Gray, and so uh, a, a fantastic player who waited his turn, worked on the stuff he needed to because he was always fast. He was always explosive, but he was kind of small. He was tall and skinny, uh, and it was like, are you going to put on the weight to be a three-down back? He's done that. He's done all of those things, and having a model like Bajan Robinson, having a model like Rashawn Johnson. Uh, has to help. He talked about you know his father passing away and what that means to him to kind of rally around that stuff. So uh, it was it, it's fun to watch guys kind of do it in that way to like pay pay their dues, wait their turn, stick with it, and then they're paid off at the end. Maybe the biggest single surprise of this Texas offense this year, Jonathan Brooks would be one for sure. Um, just how great he's been, and you know leading rusher in the Big Twelve and one of the better running backs so far in the country. Quinn Ewers mobility. Down 20 pounds. He's now got five rushing touchdowns. He's tied for second place in the Big 12 for rushing touchdowns. He's also thrown 10, so he's accounted for 15 TDs. Let's hear Sark talking about Quinn's mobility, and it makes sense. I mean, uh, they, they don't need him to be Jalen Milrow or uh, Vince Young. They just need him to take advantage and really stress defenses when the right coverage is presented to uh, make them accountable. Here's Sark on what he's seeing from Quinn and his ability to uh, score touchdowns and you know run the ball when it presents quarterback team you know we don't run design quarterback runs like a lot of other people do but we do rely on the quarterback to use his legs at, at opportune times most notably third down and in the red area and I think Quinn is is really starting to excel at that you know if you notice when do his scrambles come third down in the red area and he's used his legs and he's used his newfound conditioning and speed to be an advantage for him and for us so that that's been a real positive um, all right so there's a newfound speed and agility that's 20 pounds shed that's getting in the weight room cutting the mullet he's more streamlined and look it's a it's a real problem for defenses because you know, what do you do i mean if this guy is gonna I'm, I'm brett venables is watching film right now getting ready for this game going man that's not something we planned on we we knew we had to deal with x and this receiving core and jt sanders and now this run game this is an element that that, that makes it really difficult because you feel like you've played a good coverage 
and he's just fast enough to get up the middle, either get to the sticks or get to the zone. It makes it difficult because what do you do? Like, even if you see it on – at this point, I think – I don't think any defensive coordinators up until this point, like, game plan for it. You know, you see it a couple times early in the season. You're like, oh, that's weird. He's running the ball sure. a couple times. But you don't really put it into your game plan. I, I, but at this point, you have to know on third downs in the red zone, as Sark said, uh, yours' legs uh, are a weapon or can be a weapon. But they're so talented and do everything so well that you can't commit a defender to that. You can't start spying Quinn Ewers, right? No. Like You're not going to start doing that. And so it's going to remain there. It's just up to Quinn to pick the right moments to see the coverage correctly and go take advantage of that because it's not something that's going to go away. He's going to continue to get those looks, continue to have that kind of space on third down uh, when everything's covered. Yeah, and uh, you got you to hit him. I mean, you know, Brett Venables wants to come after him in pressure. He splits that pocket. You protect him. There's no one out there, and he is faster than you think. And uh, newfound mobility. I love it. Uh, one other cut to in our overview and this piece of Sark sound about the overview of the Kansas game. Uh, the other star. I mean, you've got a you know 200 yard rusher, a 325 yard quarterback, uh, and a 100 yard receiver. Ten catches. Wasn't Xavier worthy? He had seven catches for 93. Xavier, uh, Ad Mitchell coming in from Georgia. Uh, just continuing to confound defenses. Okay, now what do we do? JT Sanders goes out of this game with an ankle. Quick update on that, by the way, here on the Eyes on Texas multicast. Day-to-day, they think he'll play. You know, Maybe could have gone back in against Kansas if it were a closer game. Uh, they're going to get him treatment and, and see how healthy they can get him. It's just a sprain, um, You know, probably a grade one or two. Same with Ryan Watts, the cornerback, mentioned that he's got a leg injury day-to-day. Both will be probably off their feet all week long, and uh, we'll, we'll see what they look like at 11 o'clock on Saturday. But A.D. Mitchell, was at, they were, Sark was asked about the recruitment of A.D., uh, what they were looking for, why they targeted A.D., and how they got him from Georgia, twice a national champion, to Austin. For something complimentary to Xavier, and we were looking for a guy that A, had the skill set to take the top off of defense, so Xavier wasn't the only deep ball threat that we had. Uh, we were looking for a guy that could make, you know, make plays on 50-50 type balls uh, that had a really good range and catch radius, um, and we were looking for a guy with experience that, that we, I didn't want to roll the dice on could he handle playing in, in this environment and with the team that we have and what we think we could. And so he kind of checked all the boxes. And then when we started the recruitment process of it, you got a sense of his maturity. Um, you know, he has a daughter. He's a great father. He's got two awesome parents that raised him really well. And it was an opportunity for him to come home, you know, being from Houston to come back to Texas and still be in a system that was, that was pro style coming from Georgia that fit kind of what he was looking for. I think it was just a, it was a good fit all the way around. And here's where, look, let's be fair, NIL money helps here. Right, the ability to uh, make him an offer once he decided, because you know they, I don't know that they tampered with with AD. The word was out that he wanted to get back to Texas because of his daughter. He also wanted to play in an offense that featured the receivers more yep. and uh, play in the National Football League for his family. So all those reasons, but you know Texas does have a pretty deep war chest that helps. But he's a heck of a player. I mean, he's he'd probably still be the number one receiver on the number one team in the country right now if he were back there. And here he is running number two and sometimes number three to this talented Texas offense. We talked last week about what Kansas was going to do with Kobe Bryant, their really good cornerback. And early on in that game, they put him one-on-one with Xavier Worthy and followed him around the field, and Texas goes, okay, fine. We'll just throw it to A.D. Mitchell. <laughs> uh, and when you're able to do that, like that is what – like that's Sark's point is they needed – it was Xavier Worthy or bust a lot of times last year. 
And now that's not true. Like if you double Xavier Worthy or you put your best cover corner on Xavier Worthy, they're going to eat you alive on the other side of the field. I mean, there's an argument to be made that A.D. Mitchell's the better NFL prospect than Xavier Worthy. Because of the size. They're at least neck to neck. Yeah, because of the size and his ability to run routes on all three levels. Um, he's a great deep ball defender or receiver because he's big enough to handle those shots. It becomes a jump ball down the field, and size helps you there, where I think Xavier sometimes struggles because he's so skinny. Um, so I think A.D. Mitchell has just added a new de- development to this team. That's what we were talking about with the Quinn Ewers being able to run the football. You cannot put two there's – no, there's, you run out of defenders. Like you just run out of people that you can populate around these guys – do you double JT? Do you double Xavier? Do you w, double AD? AD is going to have single coverage most of the time on the second best cornerback on a team. That's a mismatch, and you go exploit it. Yeah, and I thought the route running was great against Kansas. They were running a lot of zone, and he'd get behind the linebackers in front of the safeties. That's where Quinn's ability to, to rifle that in there and hit those windows, step into it, really impressive. And you're right. I mean, X-Man, uh, Sark said it after the game immediately that you know last year to get seven catches for X-Man sometimes took 15 targets to get him seven. It was seven targets for seven catches for him, yeah. and they had ten catches to A.D. Mitchell. Because now you don't, you only have to throw it to Xavier when he's actually open. Yeah, exactly. Right. And J.T. Sanders didn't even play half the game. So, no, it's a problem. It's a good problem for Texas, which will lead us to a debate we're going to have coming up in our second quarter. Are they the number one team in the country? I mean, there are some making that argument. Uh, Georgia and Michigan still one and two. Texas picked up ten first-place votes. So we'll talk about that coming up. We'll hear Sark's thoughts on it, whether he cares or not, if they're number one. Uh, and we'll also talk about how they've gotten to this point where they've gone from five and seven two years ago to even being debated as the number one team in the country in a short amount of time. That's our first quarter here on the Eyes on Texas multicast. It's delivered by the incredible Scratch Food and amazing times at Hayes City Store and Ice House in Driftwood, Texas. Hayes City Store ready to serve you and your family every day of the week. They are the total package when it comes to a destination location or just a night out. They offer seating inside in the original store and uh, bar and kitchen with the air conditioning or on the picnic tables on the turf under the gorgeous canopy of oak, uh, Hill Country Oak Trees live right near the live music music stage where they feature great music six nights a week also you can go where i go all the time into the adjacent covered incredibly comfortable ice house and sports bar uh, and you just enjoy the uh, famous now uh, scratch texas comfort food wood-fired pizzas house ground burgers the best wings if you love wings you're going to love their wings they're unbelievable uh they smoke them first and then give them a little little deep they're just tremendous uh, they got the wood-fired pizzas I mentioned, house ground burgers, chicken fried steak, truck stop enchiladas, plus a full bar, great margaritas, and over 53 beers on tap and so much more. Great for a night out with the lady or a bigger group with a big birthday or anniversary or graduation. It's 8989 FM 150 in Driftwood. That's Hayes City Store and Ice House. The complete mouth-watering menu is online at HayesCityStoreTX.com. All right, let's kick off our second quarter here on the Eyes on Texas Multicast presented by Grande Equipment. And our second quarter is closed on time every time. Our man Carlos Carrion, thetexasmortgageguy.com, online at thetexasmortgageguy.com. Carlos has a birthday coming up this week uh, here in the month of October right around Texas OU. So happy birthday to Carlos. Let's talk uh, Texas football. Are they the number one team in the country? And I want to start with you, Mike Craven, on are they, does it matter, and your thoughts on how the AP voters vote for number one at this time of year after four or five games, depending on the schedules? Yes, no, awfully. <laughs> um, I think Texas is – I don't I don't think any of us know who the best team in the nation is. That's why the season is 13 weeks long, and then we have conference championship games, and then we have uh, the playoffs. 
what we do know is how teams have played through week five and their resume. And if we just go on that, if we don't go on what we think is going to happen later and who's going to rise to the top. What they did last year. What they did last year historically, all that kind of stuff. Um, Texas has the best win at Alabama. Um, maybe Ohio State can argue with that at, at Notre Dame. Um, they've beat every single team that they've played by 10 points. Um, they beat Kansas, a ranked team, by 24 on a day that they didn't even play that well and had 600 yards of total offense and never punted. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that if we just go by resume and how teams have played on the field, right now in Week 5, Texas is the best team in the nation. Now, that doesn't mean that I think Texas is going to go win the national championship. Like That's not the point of the AP poll, in my opinion. I think the words, the phrase I like is most accomplished. Yes, They've accomplished the most to this point of the season, and if that's what your rankings are about, recognize them as mm-hmm. that. And you're right. You just laid it all out. I can't say anything better than that. They've been challenged. They've won every game by double digits. They've won two ranked games by double digits. And they flexed when they needed to flex. Georgia had to survive a mediocre Auburn team who couldn't be on the field with A&M the week before. Right. Um, And they had to have a last-minute touchdown to win that game. Michigan hasn't been tested yet. Uh, I mean, I think Florida State would have a better argument than those two schools right now based on what they've accomplished to this point. And they almost lost to Boston College. And they almost lost to B.C. So um, convincing wins, check. Ranked wins, check. Big moments on the road, hostile environments, check. Eyeball test. Eyeball test, all those. Let's see how Sark was asked today. You know, you don't shy away from the, uh, the big questions. Are you guys the number one team in the country? Here's Sark. That's for you guys to answer. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a vote. I'm not in the coach's poll, so I don't have a vote. But some of you in this room do. Um, uh, <laughs> but anyhow, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, obviously, it's, it's, it's uh, flattering to some degree, the fact that the product that we're putting on the field uh, is one that, that people appreciate the, the way that we're playing. And I think our players have earned um, the respect of some. Of that, that feel that way, and, and hopefully we can continue to do that. Um, but there's a lot of football left this year. You know, we haven't even hit the halfway point. And ultimately, like I've said all along, our goal is to be in Arlington December 3rd and try to win a Big 12 championship. Then whatever happens is supposed to happen. But if we, if we don't do that, everything else is irrelevant. So it really, I hate to say it doesn't really matter where we are today. Where are we at the end of the season when we have a total body of work? And so uh, as I told the team and before the season, and I tell them every week, the, the opinions of others doesn't matter. What we do does. And so we've got we've to go out every Saturday and, uh, and play a brand and a style of football that, that not only makes us proud as coaches, makes them proud to, that they're doing it, and makes Longhorn Nation proud that the way we play is a, is a brand and style of football that um, – is one that uh, you know we all appreciate because of the way our guys go about it. So far, I think Longhorn fans are pretty proud of this team. They can get frustrated at times, but I think he's right about that. I wanted to go into a couple cuts that I, I, I found interesting and noted from Sark today. This was the Monday press conference. This this episode will come out on Tuesday. But I, th- I found that conversation fascinating, and that we're already that we're talking about that. Mm-hmm. That that's even being discussed because it's unwinnable date. And, and as a Sark just said, and you said, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Where are they in December? It's it's October second right now. But I, I wanted to take our audience behind a little bit. What I th- why I think, and Sark explained why I think this program is this far, this fast. Yes, it's talent. Yes, it's you know adding players, recruiting classes, all of that. But a couple of cuts here that I think are interesting. Let's let's run with this one. Nolan Hogan, our digital producer, trust within the program. Like trust is a big word when you hear Sark all the time. A buzzword is trust. 
Uh, let's hear just him explaining when he was asked why is trust important. And I thought this was interesting. This is an on-field trust, right, that I think sometimes general fans see problems with a, with a product or a team and they don't understand that they're not trusting one another. Here's Sark from the, the on-field perspective of what trust means in a game. I think trust is is enormous uh, to our success, um, and it's it's trust in their own training. Um, it's trust in their coaches that their coaches are putting them in the best position to have success. It's trust in the guys that they're playing with next to on the field in the moment, the calls that are being made, and everybody working on the same page. So you know, at, at the end, that the the best examples I can give are the reality of the execution that we have right now. You know, we just we aren't playing football where there's a bunch of mistakes, right? Generally, coverage-wise, in the back end, right? You, you, we don't we're not blowing coverages like we have maybe the last couple years. Um, you know, up front. You know, I think we had a couple issues early on with protection, but now from a protection standpoint, the pocket's been pretty clean. I think the runners trusting now, we had some young runners trusting the offensive line and the blocking scheme of where these balls should hit. And you're seeing a little bit of a different style of runner out of Jonathan Brooks and, and Cedric for that matter. They're hitting these holes. So um, I, I think with Quinn in, in his trust of throwing these balls to a spot, like he threw a ball to Xavier the other day, a deep out out on our sidelines that he threw before Xavier even broke. So there's levels of trust to this, um, but in the end, that's when we operated our best. You know, if, if we, we, we are not independent contractors, we all work, you know, together and collectively when we have trust, which I think we've earned over time with the consistency of which we go about our business, um, that, that, that puts our trust at a, at a high that, uh, that makes us feel good. I thought that was interesting that, um, you know, we, we watch a game and like, well, why is he not hitting the hole? Why is he not Quinn not throwing the ball? Right? It, it take it's it's a symphony, right? It's a it's a it's a symphony of of players. And if one guy doesn't trust it, or you know, they're fearful of something's going to break down, Quinn's eyes come down and doesn't trust the pocket and make the throw. And that's at every level. That's that's a that's a different level than we've seen Texas, and that's that's different than what we've seen the last couple of years. And that's I think Sark is 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 relaying. Okay, this is what you're seeing. You're seeing everybody trust one another, and we're just executing plays that they now are familiar with. When I hear that, it feels like he's saying they have experience. Yeah, you know, experience with the coaching staff, which is why they're not blowing so many coverages. Experience with to get together on the field, which is why Quinn can throw open Xavier before he's even there. Um, you got a running back who stepped into the void, who's in his third year on campus, who's set behind you know two NFL players that are generational talent and leaders, um, and so. It, I don't. There's not many guys like like Jonte Cook is uber talented and made a big play against Kansas, but he's not getting thrown in there and asked to be Xavier worthy as a true freshman. And you can't have trust when you just got on campus. Yeah. Like that that's built over time. Uh, and a lot of these guys that are coming up big in 2023 are ones that went through the fire in 2021, who were probably a little too young to be thrown out there, and they got burned a few times because of it. But now they're starting to see the payoff. Um, of going through that process together yeah. uh, on the football Well, field. and then late in the game against Kansas, y'all, Anthony Hill get a 15-yard penalty on a roughing the passer. I'm sure it won't just be Sark, or it'll be his teammates. Hey, man, yeah. can't do that against OU. I mean, that's yeah. an emotional game. We can't do that. And you can take – when he makes that mistake, this is the difference to me in Texas right now. When Anthony Hill makes that mistake, you can take him off the field and punish him by not taking – not giving him And you don't time. lose anything. You couldn't do that two years ago. You were stuck going, dude, come on, man. Go back out there and figure it out. You know, stop doing dumb stuff. But you had to put them back on the field. And so 
the lesson gets taught a lot when you got to go sit by dad. Like yeah, it just does. The, early they, in the Wyoming they, game when he blew a blew a lane right. and got to sit for a couple quarters. He's going to be better for that, and he's not going to get exposed in the same way that some of these young guys got exposed a couple years ago before that. And that's got to help with confidence and with that trust when he, with each other, uh, knowing that you're not asked to do anything more than you can. Yeah, and if you make a mistake, you know we're not punishing you. We're not cutting you. You're just no. you got to sit for a minute. Right, just come watch. Come think about it. Uh, also on trust and development, I think this is interesting. You just mentioned guys that have waited. I think one of the reasons this team is so talented right now and being debated about the number one team in the country is the development of the players and guys, whether it's Jonathan Brooks or David Benda, who we've talked about here on the Eyes on Texas, sticking with this program. And Sark was asked today, how do you keep them? What's your sales pitch? How are you keeping these guys from jumping to another place where there are more carries or there's more more opportunity? Here's what Sark says. I think it's built, and you hear him say, it's built on trust again and that they're at the place they should be. I think first it starts with our relationship with them. You know, I, I try to be a very hands-on head coach. Um, some call me a player's coach. Some don't. Depends on if I got on them that day at practice or not. But, um yeah, I just try to have a really good connection with them. I think our coaches try to have a really good connection with our players. And I think at the end of the day, whether you're the first on the depth chart, second on the depth chart, a scout team player for that matter right now in season, we're trying to get everybody better every day. We're trying to, we're trying to develop all of our players and our program to be the best that they can be, um, whether that's as a football player, as a student, or, or as, as a person. And I think our players – appreciate that. I, I think that they feel like, man, I'm at a place where people care about who I am, what I do. They're trying to help me get better, become, a, like I said, a better player, a better student, a better person. Um, and ultimately, we've created a culture that the guys like to be part of. And so um, there's not a lot that we have to sell them on. Um, if a guy wants to transfer, we wish him luck. You know, I, I don't feel like I should be at a place now um, where I have to talk somebody to want to stay in our program or I have to talk a player to want to commit to our program. Uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're very transparent of who we are and what we do and how we do it. Um, and the guys that choose to come here are coming for the reasons that I think are the right reasons and the players that stay in our program are staying because of the right reasons. That doesn't mean we're not going to have some guys leave that I wish would have stayed in our program. We've had a couple of those. But I also understand the guys that have stayed are staying because they feel like they're getting developed. Um, they're in a really good culture with their coaches, with their, with their, with their teammates. Um, and ultimately, you know, we're, we're having some success. And they're, they're knowing, man, when my time comes, I'm going to be ready to play. Well, certainly 180, Mike, from two years ago when they were 5-7 and seven and you had guys jumping ship and the Bo Davis ran. I heard it again the other day after the Iowa State game. I listened to it, the, and then they lost to Kansas the next week. This is a different buy-in, and it takes some time, and fans want the garden to grow immediately when it's going to take a couple of seasons. And here we are, and they're talking about Texas number one. I, I laughed when he said, some call me a player's coach, because that's like me going, like, some call me a great feature writer. You know? uh, <laughs> they some don't. They don't like. You know, uh, <laughs> but, like, who does? I mean, like, Sark does. You know, like, I, I think that was, like, I love when, like, coaches put out PR messages, like, through the media or whatever, and that was great recruiting right there. And I, I we've talked about this on the show. Like, once you once you start beating Alabama, once you start competing championships, like, the only thing that ever stops Texas from landing anybody that they ever want in recruiting is just winning on the football field. Yep. Uh, when Texas has had it rolling, 
Mac Brown used to have to beat off players with a stick on his backyard. Like uh, now you, you get know. to pick. Right. Like I mean, now now you're starting to you start pushing away guys that are really good. You know, you start getting guys on your roster that maybe aren't panning out to get into the portal. And so, uh, I think Texas has it rolling right now off the field. And as long as the on field product stays the way that it is, Texas recruits itself. It's Austin. There's a lake here. Uh, everybody in the city is beautiful, school, right? Like number nine in the right, world rankings like right it, now. It's very easy to recruit. To, Texas signs top five recruiting classes when they're not even good. Yeah, uh, when they're winning football games, um, it, it becomes a, a fun thing to watch for sure. Last thing I thought is interesting for the uh, EOT audience is uh, Sark's mindset because I think I do think Sark's battle with his own challenges, right? His own uh, sobriety that he talked about somewhat openly. Um, he, you know, programs teams take on the. Uh, the mindset of their coach. Here's Sark, and this was really talking about how they're going to beat Oklahoma, get up again for the big moments, uh, and this is kind of the one-day-at-a-time mentality that he he really wants for his football program, and I think we're seeing that uh, you know, with the week-to-week improvement by this team. Keep preaching to our players is starve your distractions, feed your focus, right? And if we, we focus on the task at hand, uh, and that's one day at a time. Focus on today. And what are we trying to do today? Be present today. Be present on purpose. Um, that That's the formula for us to be successful. For other teams, that may be different. But the team that we have, that's our formula for success. And so uh, how do I gauge that? Do I feel like they're present today, right? Do I really feel like they're dialed into what we're doing today? Uh, and then we'll take care of tomorrow, tomorrow. But for us to be successful Saturday, we need to be really good today on Monday. And then tomorrow, we need to be good again tomorrow. One day at a time in our system and our approach is the best way of going about it. We were able to do that in preparation for the Alabama game. Uh, and I think that that's going to be of the utmost importance this week as well. With all the stuff going on around this game, we need to be really present with what we're doing. All right. I thought that was interesting. Also, Mike, last thing I wanted to play this. This is kind of for our audience about – how the game plans make. This is kind of like some sausage behind the scenes. Uh, Sark was talking about, you know, the week-to-week game plans and how it comes about and how a, a Sunday leads into a Monday. I thought this was pretty interesting from Sark today uh, that I think maybe a lot of the audience don't really realize that how building that play sheet goes. Sark kind of revealed a little bit about that today of, um, you know, each each game's a new game. Each, each, uh, each chess match is a new chess match. Here's Sark on that game-to-game game planning that goes into big games like Oklahoma. Imagine. You know, when we come in on Sunday as a staff and, and we grade the tape and, and we, we put the, that game to bed, when we go on to the next game, that, that call sheet I have on the sideline, I wipe it clean. There's nothing on it. And then we build that game plan that week from a blank slate, from a clean slate. And, and so as it grows from, from throughout that day and then we present it to our players, it's about them understanding why we're doing the things that we're doing in this plan and then how we're going to do it. And so every week it's different, right? And sometimes from a fan's perspective, the plays may just look the same, uh, but there's a reason maybe we're running them a little bit different this week, and then the players need to know the why we're doing it differently and then how to execute it. So. Um, I know a lot of times it just looks like we run the ball right up the middle, but there's some intricacies to what we're doing of how we're running that ball right up the middle. All right, that's going to wrap up our second quarter. I want your thoughts on that because kind of how the sausage is made behind the scenes. Why are we talking about Texas number one? There's a kind of a deeper conversation, but also game to game. The players have to understand why are we attacking Kansas this way and we're going to attack Oklahoma this way. You guys all know the playbook now, but 
This is why your role is important within each play. I think that's fascinating to me, the uh, the game-to-game chess match. And Brett Venable's doing the same damn thing up in Norman right now, trying to figure out how to slow down Texas. It's hard to get this kind of access at Texas, but I'd love to sit there on a Sunday or Monday and embed with Sark and just watch him put together that play sheet. Because even... Even if Sark never wins another head f- football game as a head coach, he's one of the best offensive schemers in modern football. Like, yep. that, that is what he – I would imagine that's his favorite part of the week. Like, if you gave him true serum, like, that, that's the thing he still enjoys the most is just chalking people to death, right? Like, getting up there and, and scheming guys out of it. Uh, he's an excellent play caller. His scripts are usually really, really good. Uh, I have no doubt that's a lot. That's a fun process to kind of watch unfold with him and that collective group in there coming up with all that. So through all those audios, I think you see why Texas may be the number one team in the country. They've got really good players who have bought in. They all want to be here. They could have left if they wanted. They're coached pretty well and developed very well. And then you got a really great coach right there on both sides of the ball, PK and Sark, who are putting this thing together. And um, you know, it all comes together on a Saturday five in a row and we'll see if they can make it six i agree with you watching him build that and this is where when sometimes people ask me well, what do those analysts do what does paul chris do what are those guys doing you know when you come in on sunday and you break the tape paul chris been watching oklahoma for a week and a half for three weeks now mm-hmm. like he's been watching every game uh he's when well, he's the one that's gonna say here's what the plays i think you know based on what we're doing well this is where you can attack oklahoma they're vulnerable that's light years faster than it used to be when the same coaches would have to come in Break the you know look at the tape from Kansas. Start working on Oklahoma. Uh, it's already a lot of that's already putting putting some nice PDFs and ready to go with the highlights. And, and then you start putting the game plan, and that that gets you two three days ahead. And that's what's made offensive so much more complicated and complex is they have the ability to do that. Yes. You used to not have the time to do that, so you just ran your playbook. Yeah, uh, I got these favorite plays. These are our favorite plays. We're running out of this formation. Uh, but the defenses also have those analysts, and they're starting to figure out your tendencies. So you have offensive analysts that figure and out yourself scouting, and you just you kind of go back and forth, and all of a sudden you have a three hundred page playbook that you could run every single play out of six different formations and all that stuff. And it's so much fun. All right, that's your second quarter. A little deep dive into the Longhorns. Why are they being debated as number one? Whether they're number one or not, who cares? I just think it's pretty amazing. Uh, two years later, one year later, we're talking about Texas is the best team in the country. They very well might be, and they get another chance to prove that. Second quarter, brought to you by a good buddy and the birthday boy this month, Carlos Carrion. He is the Texas mortgage guy. Why not do a new refi for your home or a new mortgage for your home? Change your life. It's always better to work with an expert in the field who also is a diehard Longhorn fan like you. Lifelong Austinite knows this market like the back of his hand. Just makes sense to work with someone who you're going to trust. You just heard Sark talking about that. So much better to work with like-minded people know their business, know the lay of the land. He's been uh, going on 10 years in the uh, industry now. Uh, he's not there to just help you provide a quote when kind of navigate these complicated waters of refinances and uh, mortgages. He's your guide to help solve problems, strategize, like you just heard Sark talking about, one of the most important financial decisions of your life. He's a great communicator, fast response times, not going to leave you out there waiting for days and days and days at a time. He'll be right back to you. He is Carlos Carrion. That's C-A-R-R-E-O-N. Carlos Carrion, the... TexasMortgageGuy.com. That's the TexasMortgageGuy.com. Get after him uh, this fall. It cools off. Might be the time to start looking. Put your house on the market. Maybe look for that next house. Carlos is your man. All right, halftime. Uh, we always dedicate that to some NFL players. Bijan Robinson had a big game. Uh, our halftime is always delivered by and just the right pressure by One Source Gas, your one-stop shop for Central Texas all gas products. And uh, our friends at One Source Gas are actually going to help us get up to a big watch event or Friday event up in Dallas. We'll tell you about that coming up. If you're headed to Dallas or you're in Dallas and you want to come out, I'm going to tell you where to be, and it's brought to you by One Source Gas. Nolan, do we have some NFL stats from the weekend? Bijan was over in London mm-hmm. taking on the U.K. His team didn't win, but Bijan had another big game. 
Yeah, uh, 14 carries, 105 yards, uh, five receptions for 35 yards. So Desmond Ritter had a terrible game. Terrible game. 140 yards combined from one running back uh, and a seven only seven points scored by the offense. Uh, not pretty. Yeah, Desmond Ritter was shown to be limited by that Jaguars. Those Toy Story defensive. Toys, yeah, they have the Disney <laughs> Toy Story. I don't know if you saw this, Mike, but ESPN and Disney did the uh, – it's played from uh, – what's what's the kid's name in Toy Story? Woody's bedroom. Andy's room. He's oh, in Andy's Eddie. bedroom. That's where the game's being played. Yeah. Pretty clever. Bring that young audience. You're bringing Taylor Swift audience now. I mean, it's NFL's got this thing licked. <laughs> they, they know how to bring in viewers. Uh, they have mastered the art of staying in the news cycle for 12 months and uh, always being entertaining even when they're not. Like, to get people to care about the Jets, Chiefs, and the way that they did was masterful. Yeah. And that it's all rigged, right? I mean, Taylor Swift's not actually dating Travis Kelsey. This is no, all. This was new... created by the writers as soon as Aaron Rodgers was injured. <laughs> well, and as soon as uh, we need to get Travis Kelsey on his podcast yeah. announced that he wanted to hit on Taylor Swift and had a friendship bracelet, the the gears went into motion. Team it's PR. It's a great podcast, by the way. Mm-hmm. It is a great podcast. Yeah, it's a good podcast. Very good. It's uh, Travis and Jason Kelsey. It's very funny, very insightful behind the scenes. Uh, but yes, I mean, this seems like a, a setup deal. Doesn't Taylor have a big, like her big Eras concert yeah. that she just finished is going to be? She's about to go on the second leg of that tour. Well, no, the, no, it, it, they're coming out with a like you can go to the uh, to the theater to see the whole thing. Mm. It's a big HD presentation. If you couldn't go to it, you can watch it, and we're going to put you in like the IMAX theaters, and you'll be able to experience it uh, firsthand. That's that's what this is about, right? The NFL. Um, she'll probably show up with Usher at the halftime show of the Super Bowl or something. But uh, either way, a lot of people watched it, 28, 28 million or something in the Chiefs game. And, yeah, the Toy Story thing, getting the young kids with Woody and Buzz and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, what else in the NFL, Nolan, in our um, halftime? Brought to you by One Source Gas. Sort of a quiet week for the Longhorns in the NFL other than Bijan. Uh, Lil' Jordan Humphrey had a catch for nice. 11 yards. Uh, Roshan Johnson, five carries, 13 yards, and a reception for two yards. Bears stink. Uh, yeah, Bears are bad. Devin Duvernay had two catches for eight yards versus Cleveland. Uh, Jordan Hicks, another solid week, 13 tackles, five solo. Uh, Brennan Schooler got himself a solo tackle versus Dallas. And Quandre Diggs is playing tonight versus the Giants. Yep. All right, and the uh, Seahawks lead that game 7-0. My favorite play by a Longhorn this weekend, not named Bijan, was when Kirk Cousins threw an interception at the <laughs> one-yard line. And it was going to the house. Kirk Cousins hustled to try to tackle the interceptor. And he got to about the 10-yard line, and here came Deshaun Jameson, the former Longhorn, lifetime Longhorn, flying down the field and absolutely decked, leveled Kirk Cousins, clean block, got it in the end zone. I don't know what Kirk Cousins was thinking, but that's a hustling play by Deshaun Jameson. He um, knocked down a second guy, too, right before the end yeah, zone. Like, he, he was did. just laying down some blocks. That's some hustle. That's how you make a team. Houston of course, he Lamar. had a great – Deshaun had a great camp with the Niners, got cut right at the end, and then ended up in Carolina – Good spot for him. One Source Gas of Austin is your Texas compressed compressed gas leader. One Source Gas provides compressed gases such as CO2, nitrogen, oxygen, propane, and many more to various industries all through the great state now. Uh, they are your lead CO2 provider if you're in the service industry and bars and restaurants. We're talking about Hay City Store. They've got all the taps ready to go out there. Uh, restaurants all over Austin, Central Texas, and, and down into San Marcos and beyond. Uh, also the hospitality industry and the medical industry. Very important in the veterinary uh, field and in the medical field. If you need gases daily and weekly, they are your locally owned and operated uh, operation for over 12 years. They understand exceptional customer service is the key when your uh, success is about. That's what you can't do without it, right? So you got to have it. Just make sure it's there all the time. So if you're a bar, restaurant owner, dental office, veterinary clinic, just call One Source Gas or go to their website, OneSourceGas.com. 
ATX.com. That's one source gas, ATX.com. They've got your compressed gas needs covered better than anyone. That's why they're growing because they keep taking business from others who are not serving their customers like they will. One source gas, ATX.com. Or call them 214-8484. That's 214-8484. They'll get you all set up. One note on that. One Source Gas is helping us with our radio station at the Horn. If you're being going to be in Dallas on Friday afternoon, we're going to be over at Terry Black's Barbecue in downtown Dallas, right on Main Street. It's kind of the east side of Main Street, past all the hustle and bustle. Uh, and it's a great spot. We're going to be out there doing some live broadcasting on the Horn and with our friends at Inside Texas from 3 until 7. Great barbecue, great cold drinks, patio on the outside. The weather's going to be great. Parking is easy. That's one of my favorite things about uh, you know where we're going to be. You can park. they got two parking lots, the street parking there. So make a plan to come on out and get ready for the Texas OU rivalry, number 119. At, uh, that, and it's all brought to you by One Source Gas and our friend Terry Black and Terry Black's Barbecue. I won't go anywhere if there's not parking. That's me. I'm a snob. When I first moved to Dallas, uh, one of my best friends in life, like I've known him for a really long time, uh, invited me to go to dinner. Uh, I drive over there. I see that there's no parking. It's downtown Dallas, and I just turned back around and went back to my <laughs> Like I'm not dealing with all that uh, kind I'm of good. stuff. I'm well, grown. I'm not. I got to be able to sit down at a concert and park at a restaurant. That's those are my goals. I like that. You're you're you're, you're old as a young person. Yeah, well, I got gray <laughs> hair. I'm almost forty years old. <laughs> well, that's when I was I was actually at Terry Black's barbecue last. Uh, Texas OU weekend, not for anything work-related. We were just there, and I was like, man, this is where we need to be. This is the spot. we got parking lots and Texas, the best Texas barbecue in the world, cold drinks, TVs everywhere. This is where we should be, so that's where we're going to be Friday. Of course, Saturday, it's all at Fair Park with ESPN's College Game Day there and all of that. Third quarter time, and that's going to be a look at, uh, at Oklahoma. Uh, our third quarter is presented by my new pearly white smile. Love my new restored teeth. Thank you to Dr. Greg Eckert online at dreckert.com. Uh, it is amazing what he can do. He's restored over a thousand cases in Austin. My teeth, he did. He kind of worked with what I already had, and because um, I had ground my teeth down, so he took what was there and built over top of that. And that's my new smile, which I absolutely love. Uh, it is so worth the investment. It's a, it's a confidence builder. Uh, change your life. And I'm only 50 years old, so I plan to be around a long time. And I got this brand new smile for the rest of it. That's pretty great. And he can do it for you. Also, if you need a whole rebuild or few teeth, he can do the permanently secured dental implants, which is, uh, you know, starting over. And those last you know, for the rest of your life, too. And it takes one day. It's one visit. Obviously, you got to do some pre-visits to where you get the, the measurements and all you're going to do. But uh, once you go forward, it's a one-time visit with Dr. Greg Eckert. We'll tell you about it coming up. All right, let's hear from Sark on the OU game. Obviously, first off, the OU rivalry, we all know it's big. But, uh, Nolan, let's cut to cut four, which is the OU offense, because this is really the deep dive stuff. How much better is Oklahoma? They're 5-0. and Texas beat them 49-0. Now, last week we were talking about Kansas, Mike, and Texas had beaten Kansas 55-14. to They went out and you know won by you know big numbers and put up 600 yards. How much better is Oklahoma? I think we all know Texas is better. Uh, but how much better is Oklahoma? Here is Sark when asked about the tech, the Oklahoma offense, uh, spearheaded by Dylan Gabriel, the sixth-year quarterback. The fantastic player. He's been, he was a great player at UCF. He's a great player now, obviously, for OU. So um, we know we're going to get the best version of him. Um, we know with the influx that they have on defense, their, their defense is playing at a really high level right now. And... I'm sure. I'm sure you know that they're talking about last year's game too. So we're going to get uh, an emotional team coming into the Cotton Bowl that we're going to have to compete against. And so um, you know, we, we just have to recognize that, and then we have to play good football. At the end of the day, you know, it's emotions great, and it only runs for so long. But but if you 
rely on just emotion to try to match emotion, sooner or later you can exhaust yourself and it's going to come down to execution. So we just got to make sure we're dialed in. All right, Mike, you've uh, seen seen it, this team. They, I was surprised they put 50 on Iowa State last week. I, I'm, Iowa State's not good, but their def- defense with John Heacock still pretty good to put 50. That tells you that they are significantly better on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, Matt Campbell stinks. Like to continue that that storyline. Uh, I I still don't know what OU is. I mean, they play Cincinnati, they play Iowa State in Big Twelve play. It was tied eleven eleven against SMU deep into the fourth quarter when they played them in non conference play. Uh, you know, with venerables, the defense is going to get better. Like there was no way they were going to stay bad on defense, only allowing about eleven points a game so far. They've been consistent there. Uh, but they have had poor offensive games. Like I mentioned, that SMU game, they, they struggled to move the ball. Against Cincinnati, they weren't a- able to close a lot of drives. And so I think Texas has the advantage offense versus offense. I think defenses are, are pretty comparable, and it's going to come down to kind of not even who makes the best play. I think it's going to come down to who makes mistakes. Yeah, uh, typically does, and who runs the ball better. Right now, there's no doubt Texas is the better running team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oklahoma's a lot of all-pass with Dylan Gabriel and the uh, the Kendall Bryles, Art Bryles offense, right, the spread veer that they run. Uh, Texas has seen that a lot. Sark has seen it a lot. But OU's defense is a lot better. I mean, Brett Venables, much like Sark is the offensive scientist, Venables is a defensive scientist. And I'll be interested to see the chess match because I think Venables has more pieces of his own guys this year. Uh, They got Stutzman at linebacker who's kind of the – he's always got to have that guy in the middle that kind of orchestrates the Jalen Ford for him. Didn't have that last year. Here's when Sark was asked today, how how much better is this OU defense after watching them on film and seeing what they are at 5-0? They're they're playing really well together. Um, You know, Coach Venables, he's been doing it too long at too high of a level to think they weren't going to, you know, get that thing fixed. I said it last year that they would. And so uh, naturally they have. I think they're just playing well together. You know, a lot of guys on on the same accord. Uh, the front tied together with the backers, tied together with the secondary. The multiplicity of what they do is very challenging. They've got a lot of defense. They got a lot of coverages. They got a lot of pressure packages. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely challenging on that front, especially when when they're all on the same accord um, and and working well together. So, um, like I said, we we've got a, we've got our work cut out for us offensively this week in preparation for the ball game. All right, Mike, that's, uh, we talk about Sark, and he, he puts a lot on film that you have to prep for for your defense. Venables does the same thing. He does a lot, and now he's got some pieces, and they hit the portal so hard. And like you were, I, I was at the Cotton Bowl last year. You were at the Cotton Bowl last year. That was the worst-looking OU team I've ever seen. I mean, and I've been going to games since the, you've been longer than me. They were a mess. I mean, they were not good. They didn't know where to be. I mean, first year, similar to Sark in year one when they went five and seven and they're, you know, Venables was pretty stubborn that this is my system. You're going to learn it or we're going to get rid of you. Uh, but they have brought in a lot of new people. And uh, I expect, you know, I, I'm assuming Brett Venables has heard the, the, the 49 to nothing thing a lot mm-hmm. in the last 365. Uh, he's, this is, and they haven't had a big game yet. They haven't played an Alabama or, or no, they haven't played a ranked team. So, you know, there's been extra work done for this game. Uh, all off season, even into practices leading up to this, uh, there's going to be stuff there that they they won't get embarrassed in this game. And it feels like the fan base is still in a wait and see approach. I haven't seen a lot of boastful Oklahoma fan action on Twitter yet. Yeah, they you know, know they play anybody. You, you feel Texas has already acted like they're twelve and zero on Twitter, right? Like <laughs> th- that fan base is already like celebrating and stunning on the Big Twelve and acting, you know. Uh, but it feels like Oklahoma is still kind of in a wait and see for venerables. You know, they've been so used to a lot of success. That game last year, I'm almost forty years old. I've never seen it that way before. Me either. I've seen Oklahoma do that to Texas a few oh, yeah. times. 
Uh, but I've never seen Texas do that to Oklahoma, which means most people that aren't over 50 have never seen Texas do that to Oklahoma. That was a new experience for that fan base, and they didn't like it. You know, no, Nobody likes that. And so uh, I don't think that they're going to really buy into Venerables being the dude at Oklahoma until he can beat Texas or at least be uh, close with Texas. I'd imagine the same way Texas spent eight months game planning for Alabama in week two. In a lot of ways, Oklahoma spent eight months game planning for this in week six. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. And Sark, even in the loss when they lost him and they had the 20-point lead and Caleb Williams burst on the scene two years ago, Sark put up big numbers early. The script has typically worked, right? Uh, his, you know, his first and second quarter scripts against Oklahoma have been dialed in, um, and they couldn't hold it in year one. Last year was a shutout, and uh, Oklahoma was very feeble. And I do think that Oklahoma fan base needed that, by the way, because having covered these games, Oklahoma hasn't seen that game before, and they just assumed when Lincoln Riley left that oh, we're good. He was just a coach. You know, we don't need Caleb Williams. We don't need all these players and coaches. They they got a, some humble pie. And uh, we'll see if Venables, and one of my favorite things on Twitter is now they call him, Texas fans call him Burnt, Ve- Burnt Vegetables. Burnt Vegetables, <laughs> which I like. Yeah, this works. Uh, one yeah, more. Texas has scored over 48, in, or over 45 in each of the last three. Yeah, that's we talked about that was Kansas. Texas yeah. had put 50 on the board each of the last three Kansas games. It was about the defense. Could they stop them? Right. This, year, week, they, this week they held them to 14 points. Uh, Texas has put 40 or plus, and it's been about the defense. This is where you feel really good about Texas because their defense has been great. Uh, can we hear Sark on the maturity of his team? Skip that one, Nolan. Let's go to the uh, the final one here for our third quarter. And this is another thing Sark likes. We heard him talking about it in the sausage discussion in the second quarter about what makes his team. He likes that these guys have been in this game. They've seen the good and the bad of this game. And uh, for a lot of these guys for Texas, this is the last time they're going to play in this game. They'll never play in it, not in the SEC, not ever again. Here's Sark. Well, I think it's huge. You know, you got to remember, I have a bunch of guys in that locker room that were that were on the sideline when when we when we lost a twenty-something point lead two years ago, right? In a, in a very tough loss, and then a bunch of guys in that locker room that won a big game last year. So they felt the lowest of the lows in this game. They felt the highest of the highs, right? And and so I think they understand the value of of you know keeping our composure, keeping our poise, play the next play, play four quarters of football because that's what this game requires. Uh, this game is not about what happens in the first quarter. It's going to be about how we play for four quarters and the consistency in which we do it. And I think our veteran leadership understands that. These guys have been through this battle before. And um, they, they're, they have to take that workmanlike attitude every single day so that the younger players can understand that. You know, young players, when they get in rivalry games, they're about the emotion, right? And we want to try to reduce some of that, and we want to focus on the execution. All right, execution will be key. Do you think this is a – we'll do our deep dive on Thursday that will drop Friday in our second edition of the week of the EOT, Mike. But are you feeling like this will be a four-quarter game? I do. I mean, I, I think Oklahoma is going to be dead set on not getting embarrassed as la- from last year. You know, Texas hasn't been the the great start team that they have been the previous two years. They've started a little bit slower and then played better in the second half. I feel like that script continues where it's kind of feels like a heavyweight boxing match early. Maybe it's 16, 13 going into halftime. But I think Texas just has too many horses down the stretch to, to stay with them. And again, our second edition, this will drop early in the week, and then we'll really get into it, the numbers, the matchups, who's who's where, Dylan Gabriel versus Quinn Ewers. One thing's for sure, Mike, to wrap up the third quarter, this is far and away the best quarterback Texas will have faced. I mean, uh, they've got three straight backups. Jalen Milrow wasn't ready for prime time. Uh, Rice, JT Daniels, week one. 
this is the best quarterback. Dylan Gabriel's really good. And, you know, I believe, because remember Dylan got hurt last year the week before the Texas game when he got knocked out in that cheap shot against TCU. Uh, that would, I don't know, would have made a difference in the score. Would have been a more competitive game because they didn't have a quarterback last year behind him. Uh, he's a good player, and he knows this system thoroughly. Mm-hmm. So they'll score some points, I think, in this game, even against a very good Texas defense who's been susceptible to big plays, which they can create. Yeah, I mean, he's not Dan Marino or anything, right? But he he is definitely capable of winning college football games with his arm. And Texas's big bugaboo so far has been vertical, man-to-man safety stuff down the field. And uh, Dylan Gabriel is a guy capable of making those passes, more so than Jalen Gil- uh, uh, Milrow, more so uh, last week than Jason Bean. And so if those problems continue, Oklahoma has the ability to go ahead and make those plays, and their defense is good enough to where you allow two or three of those plays, and that may be enough for, for Oklahoma to win that football game. Well said. All right, more on that later in the week. Let's uh, tell you that our third quarter was brought to you by Dr. Greg Eckert and my brand-new pearly white smile, which I love so much. Uh, Dr. Eckert can give you the new smile just in one day, permanently secure dental implants or a restoration, over a 1,000 cases. Give him a call, just a consultation. He's here here in Austin, right off far west, north central. He's been doing it 27 years it's amazing. He's in his 50s, but he looks like he's in his 20s because he rides his bike everywhere. He's unbelievable, but one of the best people you ever meet. He's Dr. Greg Eckert. Give him a call for a consultation. He's got a wonderful team there as well. Uh, you make the informed decisions you need about your dental health care needs with Dr. Eckert at 345-3166, 345-3166. Dr. Greg Eckert with a U, U-E-C-K-E-R-T. That transitions to our fourth quarter, which is brought to you by Dr. Greg Eckert and his Brain Vault technology, which got some great news from people at Texas State University just this past week, which I'll tell you about coming up, about uh, helping athletes and your young athlete reduce the risk of concussions. It's not just a mouthpiece. It's an orthotic that allows your young athlete to play hard but play safe. We'll tell you about that coming up. But, Mike, our final four, four big questions around the college football landscape. Uh, You'll be at the Texas A&M-Alabama game this weekend while the Longhorns are playing the Sooners. That game at 2.30, so as the Horns and Sooners wrap up, that game will kick off at what will be a jam-packed Kyle Field. Aggies had a pretty impressive win this past week. They beat Arkansas, outgained them 2-1. Really, K.J. Jefferson had no chance. Since they gave up 48 points to Miami, that defense has been a lot better down at Texas A&M. Through two SEC games, A&M has 14 sacks and 30 tackles for loss. Wow. <laughs> they had 19 sacks all of last year. Um, so that that defensive line is really starting to rise to the top. It feels like DJ Durkin, their defensive coordinator, made the smart decision of, hey, we're not that great in the back end. Instead of like letting them take advantage of that, let's just like go all out at the Assault, quarterback yeah. and just see. Because we're going to give up a big play anyway. We might as well be aggressive while we're doing it. And that's really helped this defense. But they haven't played a good quarterback yet. You know, Auburn couldn't throw the ball. Arkansas is not really a, 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 a you know downfield vertical passing game like the way Tyler Van Dyke was. I think Alabama sets up well for them too in that regard, right? Like Alabama is not a team that's going to throw it 45, 50 times around the lot. They're going to try to out-physical you, outpower you. And Texas A&M has recruited as well, if not better, than anybody in the front seven over the last couple of years. That's what they're best at. It's going to be an interesting game. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, that one, you know, Alabama has already taken one loss. It's been good for Texas that Alabama's actually been pretty good since the you know that, that South Florida game where they benched Jalen Milrow. They probably needed to do that to get his head right, and he's been much better. They've dominated uh, – uh, a couple of teams since then, but uh, we'll see. Alabama, yeah, that's a great stat on A and M. They're, they're I mean, they got all that talent up front, all the five stars on the D line at linebacker. They should be able to, and they're going with a backup quarterback in Max Johnson, who played pretty well against Arkansas. Round the Big Twelve, and, and big question number four, Mike. I mean, uh, it's weird. We sit here and we talk about Texas and Oklahoma or two. No, West Virginia 
is the other sneaky 2-0 and team. They lost to Penn State, a top-10 team, to start the season, and people kind of wrote off Neil Brown. They haven't lost since. They beat Texas Tech. They beat TCU last week in Fort Worth, and all of a sudden West Virginia is uh, saying, hey, don't, look, don't, don't forget about us over here, playing pretty good defense. They get Houston pretty soon in that kind of Dana Holgerson bowl, and they're probably going to beat them. And so they're on this like Texas tour to like knock off all the Lone Star State team. It's been I don't I can't explain it. Like I didn't think West Virginia was going to be pretty. They pitched a shutout in Fort Worth in the second half last week. I I would love to be the guy who sits here. I don't want to take anything away from West Virginia, but to me that was more about Kendall Bryles and like whatever the hell that offense was trying to do in the second half. Like they just don't have an identity in the way that they had the year before. And to me, that's about the quarterback leaving and the offensive coordinator leaving. I, TCU has had weird periods so far this year where they've just stopped moving the football and it came up and bit them at home. They've lost, I think they're four and four in their last eight after Sonny Dyke started 12 and 0. Wow, that's a good point because Colorado beat them. Colorado shines, come off a little bit, back-to-back losses. Caleb Williams, six touchdowns. Uh, what else has stood out to you around the Big 12? Texas Tech plays Baylor this week. How about Baylor coming back from yeah. look like Dave Aranda was on his death walk in uh, 30, 26.4th fourth quarter to stun Central Florida and Gus Malzahn, 36-35. And now there's some momentum coming back home to host Texas Tech in a big game. I'm not ready to have one quarter of football change my opinion of what I've seen from Baylor this year, but it could be the thing that we look back on, and it was the spark that didn't lead them to like nine and three or anything. Uh, but they could win their next four. I mean, it's Tech, uh, Houston, Iowa State, and Cincinnati. I believe are their next four. They can win those four games and be six and three, uh, which would be amazing. When I was sitting in the DKR press box with a couple of guys, like brainstorming possibilities at Baylor. Like, who do we think the names would be if the Baylor job comes open uh, before the season starts? Right. I mean, they're about to be one and four coming back home to play Texas Tech. The nice thing if you're Baylor is Texas Tech can't play on the road. I mean, they're one and six on the road in the Joey McGuire era. This is a fascinating one to me because for people who don't know, uh, when Matt Rule left, Baylor was down to two people for their head coaching job. And it was Dave Aranda or it was Joey McGuire. And they went with Dave Aranda. Uh, And if Tech can come in in year two under McGuire, and beat rule, or I mean, beat Aranda with all the momentum they have off the field. I think Baylor fans are going to sit there and go, like, "Why didn't we go with that guy?" And so this one's kind of a fascinating game uh, because of the the backroom stuff. Anything jumping out to you nationally? It wasn't a great week at Colorado and USC. Duke had Notre Dame beat. I still can't believe that game that went down insane. that way. Duke had them beat. They were up thirteen to seven. They had Sam Hartman and Notre Dame the fourth and sixteen. And all they had to do was get off the field. They're going to win that game. Co- College game day had been there. They're 5-0. and They've got a win over Notre Dame and Clemson this year for Mike Elko. And they allow Sam Hartman to scramble. They dropped eight, didn't rush people. He, ru- he ran for the first down, and they ran for a touchdown on the next play. And they win. It was they're going to win 14-13, and instead they lose 21-14. Uh, great win for Marcus Freeman. He needed that after the Ohio State blunder. Uh, but yeah, you kind of feel bad for Mike Elko right there because they that felt like they had him. My two least favorite universities are Notre Dame and Duke, so I stayed away from that one. Uh, What I did, I think the thing that stood out to me most nationally, I know Lincoln Riley to be a very smart individual. You know, they went, they both went to Mule Shoe. I've known the Rileys for a long time. Like, he's a smart guy. He has no idea how to do defense as a head coach. He has no idea how to hire a defense coordinator. It's not very smart to believe that Alex Grinch has got that figured out for him. He has. He. I don't think he knows how to build a practice that you need to then have a a good defense. Like Sonny Dykes, when I was doing the magazine story this last year, he talked about how he got fired from Cal, and the best thing he ever did was go be an analyst for Gary Patterson because he just needed to learn how they did defense. He just needed to be in a building 
that took defense seriously to figure out how to coach it. And one of the things he learned was to run the football, and, and Lincoln Riley already does that stuff. But going back to Oklahoma, he had really good football teams that couldn't win the big game because their defenses stink. And now you look at USC, and they have, I mean, they have the best quarterback that I've seen probably in college football since Cam Newton. And they're probably not even going to make the college football playoff or win the Pac-12 during his two-year career there because they can't stop anybody. Like, they should have beat Colorado the way Oregon did. Instead, you look down, and they're right back in the football game. It was 41-14, and they gave up a bunch in the second half, and Shador Sanders tore them up, and they've still got Oregon and Washington and the rest of this big still covered. Pac-12. Only lost by seven. What's that? Still covered. Only lost by seven. Oh, the, the line was 21, so. Yeah. They yeah. didn't cover. Well, USC didn't cover. Colorado No, covered. Colorado covered. Colorado That's what I'm covered. saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which they shouldn't have, I think, would be his right. point. They're yes. too much more talented than Colorado right now. Without Travis Hunter and their best player on either side of the ball, yeah, that, that that's that's well said about Lincoln Riley. And, uh, you know, that's amazing. I think that's another deep dive thing. How does your practice run? How do you teach physicality? How do you teach tackling? Because it's pretty clear Lincoln Riley's not big on being physical and tackling in practice. He's just not. Because they don't. They're not physical and they don't tackle in games. Yeah. And that you can only learn that through repetition. Like I'm not I'm not the guy who says you got to go like have a bloody Tuesday the way Georgia does. Like maybe that's extreme. I mean, Georgia straps it up the week the week of the national championship game on a Tuesday and goes one on ones like full padded practice. Like they maybe that's not, you know, what you need to do. Uh, but whatever he's doing isn't working, and he may have, be a guy that we look back on in 10 or 15 years ago. He could have three or four national championships if he just cared at all uh, about mm-hmm. defense. Or, I think some of it, I think, is too much loyalty. I think he really likes Alex Grinch, and he has a hard time firing one of his buddies. But sometimes you got to fire one of your buddies, man. This is a million-dollar business. Well, you would think while he was at Oklahoma, Bob Stoops could have helped teach him that because Bob Stoops was the best at that, the big offense with the great defense and um, you know early part of his tenure at Oklahoma. Uh, all right, well, that uh, is going to wrap it up. That's our Final Four. Big weekend in the Big 12. Obviously, huge gay, huge day in the state of Texas. How about next weekend? Texas and Oklahoma, 11 o'clock. Aggies in uh, Alabama at 2.30. Sunday, you got the the Cowboys and 49ers if you're into the NFL. Huge game in the National Football League. It's a great football weekend coming up. And the temperatures are dropping. It's going to be in the 70s. Can't wait. Get out your... Your long sleeves like I have here, my little pullover. Thanks to our friends at the 40 Acres Collection down at the University of Texas Co-op. Uh, all right, that's going to wrap it up uh, with Brain Vault in our fourth quarter. Uh, Brain Vault has patented technology based on proven science that helps protect young athletes and reduce the risk of concussions. I know sometimes I say that and you're thinking, well, how does that work? How does that happen? Uh, I can read you this from Dr. Greg Eckert, who has been doing rigorous testing with the great people down at uh, – Texas State University that have been, been testing this this product of theirs, which is Brain Vault, which is an orthotic, and they just got on Friday some some proven based uh, research that six, this absolutely works. It is developed technology that that is used in the NFL. As we told you, Drew Pittman, his partner of over thirty years, an agent in the NFL, has helped Doctor Record here you know, bring this technology to the NFL. And over hundred NFL players have been wearing the Brain Vault technology with no concussions over the last eight years which is just incredible. And then um, Brain Vault now taking their technology used in the NFL and developed a retail version of their mouth guard. So now your young athlete can have the same level of protection that NFL players have experienced. And all you have to do is go to brainvault.com. You can go learn at the website all about that new research at Texas State. It's proven technology now that works. Uh, it aligns your, your jawline with your, with your neck muscles, and that's all about that moment of impact. 
uh, where your jaw is going to clench, your mouth is going to, your teeth are going to clench, and you have to have the right alignment. That's what this is about. It's BrainVault.com. Learn more. It's the next level of protection. Get your young athlete fitted in any contact sport, your entire team fitted. Uh, Vandergriff High School here in Austin, Lake Travis, uh, Regents, schools all over Central Texas, down into Houston, up into Dallas, are getting all their entire rosters and teams fitted for the Brain Vault technology, and you should too, at BrainVault.com. That's BrainVault.com. Join the movement to get your fitting set up now. All right, that's a wrap on another edition of the Eyes on Texas Multicast. That's our first episode of two this week. Remember, we will drop another one on Friday. It'll be a full preview of Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, Thank you to our digital producer, Nolan Hogan, for all the work today, setting it up, and uh, he'll tear it down. Our executive producer, Griffin Hogan, in the house as well. He'll edit this bad boy and get it turned around out tomorrow. And uh, thanks again to our founding partners, the Texas Mortgage Guy, Carlos Carrion, Hayes City Store, nice house out in Driftwood, One Source Gas of Central Texas, Dr. Greg Eckert, my dentist, and his Brain Vault Technology. And, of course, our presenting partners and sponsor and presenter at Grande Equipment, your locally owned, independent, but worldwide equipment company, serving heavy equipment and all your needs since 2004, online at grandeequipment.com. Mike, uh, safe travels down to Aggieland. Your tour continues 13 different stadiums in 13 weeks, yep. and this should be a good one. This should be a good one. Uh, I Kyle Field, this is going to be blasphemous. Kyle Field, to me, is the best like watching experience in, in college football that I've ever gone to. Um, I, I need to I need to hit like Alabama and Tennessee and some of those places, but LSU maybe uh, right. But for a big game, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Can't wait for that Texas A and M rivalry to get back so we can watch some of those in Kyle Field. Well, Texas OU should be a hell of a game too with uh, College Game Day. Uh, Eyes of the Nation will be on this game. Remember now with College Game that means on Fridays the Pat McAfee show comes in, so they do kind of two days of full coverage. So it'll be a blitz on the Longhorns and the Sooners for the final time as Big Twelve. Uh, opposition uh, headed to the SEC. It's the multicast that keeps you on top of all things Texas football available to watch weekly on the Dave Campbell's and the Horn and Austin YouTube channels available for download through iTunes and Spotify or wherever you find your podcast. That's a wrap. It's Texas OU week, folks. Get ready for it. We'll see you in Dallas. Hook them.